The Canadiens have ended their losing streak. Meanwhile, the San Jose Sharks are still amazed at the remarkable play of Eric Carlson. And the LA Kings are contending and finally getting some good goaltending. We've got all that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Gil Martin, so glad you could join us today. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the co-host of Locked On Canadiens, Laura Saba. And uh, Laura, good news for the Habs. They ended their losing streak with a big win over the Blues. Uh how important was it to get back on the winning track for this Canadiens team? I think a lot of it has to do with Martin St. Louis himself. I think, you know, anybody who kind of is a Montreal Canadiens fan is kind of hoping that they're going to finish with ranked really low because they want a high draft pick in the upcoming draft where there are a lot of really good prospects. But at the same time, this is a rebuilding team. And part of rebuilding is having your young players get better. But I think in Montreal, there's kind of a little bit more of a unique situation because Martin St. Louis is the head coach of this team. And prior to being hired by the Montreal Canadiens, he did not have any professional head coaching experience or coach it, not even assistant coaching experience. Right. So throughout the losing streak, one of the things that we were looking for as not just a podcast, but as a fan base was how does Martin St. Louis adjust, right? This is the first quote unquote adversity because when he first took over the team, he had a huge impact right off the bat. At the beginning of the season, he was able to make this team play miles above their ability. If you look at the roster and you look at how they played and the results, it was much better than you could expect from the team that they had. But then they crashed back down to earth and then went a little further, right? Their regression was very extreme. So one thing that we we, we kind of thought about was that this is Martin St. Louis' big first test. How does he change things? How does he adjust things? How does he get through to the players all over again? Because he's the kind of coach that players want to play for. He's the kind of coach that brings out a fire in them. But they were kind of, you know, falling off the rails. They, you, you ended up in a situation where there were a lot of passengers on the team and you never want that. Even if you know that, you know, two, three years down the line or even after this trade deadline, some of those passengers aren't going to be there anymore. That's not an attitude that you want in your young players. It's not, you don't want a losing mentality. You don't want, you know, you don't want that, that complacency to set in. So even though the Canadians didn't win their previous game prior to breaking the losing streak. So we're talking about a seven game losing streak. And some of those games were blowouts, right? Like they were losing nine to, you know, it was extreme. It was, it was, it was rough. And so in the last game before, so on Thursday's game against the New York Rangers, you saw some better habits. You saw some better play. You saw an improved underlying numbers. Uh, sorry, a set of improved underlying numbers. But then against St. Louis, they actually truly did play well. Like you could visibly see them play much better. And they did end up with the win because of it. Their goaltending wasn't there, but 
in the prior games, they were wilting. They were uninspired. I don't I didn't want to say they were uninspired. It's not like they weren't trying. It's that they were dramatically failing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you wanted to see improvement. And so if you saw Martin St. Louis face after that St. Louis, Louis game where they finally won, the jubilation on his face. And this is one of many tests that he's going to face as a head coach. And we know that this roster isn't where you want it to be as a contender. We know that it is, you know, they're still trying to get rid of some quote unquote dead weight. That's not a great term, but you know what I mean? So it was really, really important for them. But what, to me, what I thought was more important was, you know, the habits that they exhibited in the Rangers game translated over to the St. Louis game and even better So for me, this is a good start. The next game, which is tonight when you're listening to this on Monday night is against the Seattle Kraken. So again, not a, like not a world beating team, but a team where you're really gonna, you're really gonna be able to see if the Canadians have improved their habits or not. And then the next game on Thursday is against Nashville, which is a team they very recently played within that losing streak. So it's, it's a really telling situation. Like, what does it look like? What do the habits look like? How much how much better are they playing against Nashville than they were a couple weeks ago or were I think it would have been a week and a half ago by that point. So really important. But for me, the most important thing is what did Martin St. Louis learn and how did he adjust? And so this is test one. There's going to be many tests over the next couple of years. No question about that. One bright spot for this team all year. Cole Caulfield, 23 goals to lead the team. He's kind of a Cy Young candidate, 23 goals, <laughs> nine assists. But uh, talk to me about what he's meant to this team this year. So Cole Caulfield is on a line that might be the only line that is generating scoring night in and night out. Again, you, you know, the, the expectations for the Canadians are low. But the line that he's on with Nick Suzuki and often Kirby Doc, once they put Kirby Doc on that other wing, that, that line really was generating all the scoring chances, all the offense. Like it's, it, it was really high. And Cole Caulfield himself, the way that he's playing is, is just incredible. Like he now has 50 goals in 117 NHL games played, right? So it's a lot. It's, it's very fast. It's a lot. He is night in and night out one of the bright spots of this team. And even in some of those blowout losses, even in some of these depressing games that the Canadians have played off late, you could almost count on it that, that Cole Caulfield's going to give you something to smile about. So for me, for him, that the one surprising thing about Cole Caulfield and disappointing thing is that he wasn't the name to the all-star game. Nick Suzuki's a deserving candidate. He is, he's, you know, he's definitely the captain of the Canadians, uh, very heavily relied upon by Martin St. Louis in all situations. Like he's not, it's not that he's not a deserving candidate. It's just, it's that A, he went last year and B, Cole Caulfield is having a phenomenal season on a bad team. And I think that this would have been a year that he would have been very deserving as a candidate. So obviously on our podcast, we're leading a campaign to get him voted by the fans into the all-star game. And I, I literally think it's because when you look at this team and you try to say, okay, who are the stars of this team? And no question it's Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. And there's players on the way, right? Like Kirby Doc or Caden Gooley. Like they're, they're players that you could make cases for and they're developing really well. But like objectively speaking, I think Cole Caulfield is the brightest spot on this team. And I think, you know, if you look at if you look at the history, he's the fastest player to get to 50 goals on the Habs since Richet. So, I mean, that's a lot, right? And, and then here's the thing too, is that, if he wasn't playing under under Dominique Ducharme last year, he had one goal right. the entire time, right? If he had been even going at a moderate pace over the course of that season, 
he would have been the fastest player. So like if you do the math and you like and you put an average pace for those first 30 something games and then you put like his production under Martin St. Louis and the previous production under Claude Julien, like if you add it all together, he would have been the fastest player to hit 50 goals since Maurice Richard. Like it's incredible. So obviously that didn't happen, but I still think that, you know, Cole Caulfield is going to have a place. If the Canadians can get back to contention, if they can get back to a team that's a perennial threat, if they can win a cup, maybe two, he's going to go in the history books the same, like with the same, same as those names. You know what I mean? It's, it's a new era for Montreal. It's, it's been a long time since we've seen somebody this exciting on the ice. So I'm always happy to talk about Cole Caulfield and I'm all, I always want him voted into the all-star game. <laughs> he is definitely deserving. There's no question about that. Let's see if the Habs fans can help vote him in. Uh, Laura, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? So our podcast is Locked On Canadians. It's available where you're listening to this or on YouTube. So you can subscribe to us anywhere you get your podcast. On Twitter, we're at LO underscore Canadians. And you can find me at The Active Stick. You can find my co-host at Scott Matla. Thank you so much, Gil. All right, Laura, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. And uh, good luck to the Habs the rest of the way. Thank you. Today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Our next partner has a product I literally use every day. I started taking AG1 because I'm not a great pill taker and I wanted to be able to get all the nutrition I need without having to take five, six, seven pills every day. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're getting 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, all these things and it's lifestyle friendly whether you eat paleo keto vegan dairy free or gluten free it contains less than one gram of sugar no gmos no nasty chemicals or artificial anything and it still tastes good right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day that's it no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health and to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked on Sharks, J.D. Young and J.D., this year when we talk Sharks, it really always starts with Eric Carlson. He has been off the charts almost all season. He slowed down a little bit, and he's still at an incredible, incredible rate. Talk to me about what has been so magical about him this year. Uh, yeah, Eric Carlson is doing things we haven't seen from a defenseman, at least in the offensive zone, in a long time. Uh, he's currently on pace. To hit 100 points, uh, I think he's at right around 110 pace right now, which hasn't been done since Brian Leach did it in 91-92 for the Rangers. Um, I know Rome Yossi last year was really close. He had 96 points. But, uh, yeah, Eric Carlson uh, having a renaissance season uh, for the Sharks. And you can look to a couple things. One, uh, I think now that there's a clear pecking order in the defenseman with Brent Burns being traded this offseason to the Carolina Hurricanes, 
And there's really not too much in the way of uh, Eric Carlson kind of getting as much ice time as he wants. And David Quinn, we know David Quinn can really help offensive defensemen, right? We saw what he did with Adam Fox. Adam Fox won a Norris under um, David Quinn with the Rangers. And we're seeing Eric Carlson have this renaissance season, you know, potentially being on his way to his third Norris uh, trophy. So, you know, uh, there, there's just a bajillion stats that we could go through with Carlson. He just had his 14-game point streak uh, broken um, on Saturday night against the uh, Boston Bruins, but he was on an absolute tear in the month of December. So the Sharks scored 38 goals in the month of December. Eric Carlson had 19 points, so he contributed a point on half of the Sharks' uh, total goals for the, the month of December. Um 17 assists, two uh, uh, two goals during that time. It's crazy what he's doing. He had his third four-point season of the year during the month of December. Uh, he also passed over 700 career points in the month of December. It's it's crazy what he's doing for this team. And then him and Timo Meyer kind of being the the big boost of, of or kind of Timo Meyer has been the one who's kind of seen the most out of out of Eric Carlson's uh, return to form this year. So. One thing, you know, this team struggles in a lot of areas, but their penalty kill is right now second in the league. What helps this team do so well on the PK? I think it's their defensive forwards, right? They have a lot of guys who are defensively minded, defensively sound forwards, right? You have Nick Benito, uh, Matt Nieto, Logan Couture, um, you know, like these type of guys who they go out there and that is the kind of the lunch pill mindset of we're going to shut uh, shut down the opposing team's power play. And we they've had a success throughout the most of the year. When you see them against some of the top uh, teams, such as like the Boston Bruins, uh, they can struggle a little bit there. But the way they are structured and how aggressive they are, especially on um, on the point when trying to kind of make the you know, make the defenseman have to kind of think that's where you see this team be kind of succeed um, on the PK, but um, we'll see what happens. Uh, Cause I mean, most of the, those, those defensive four guys are probably going to be traded the trade deadline. So I would expect to see the, the PK to start to slip here as the season goes on. Talk to me about some of the prospects that this team has in the pipeline world juniors just finished up a week ago. Uh, who are some of the Sharks prospects that caught your eye at World Juniors? So the Sharks had two prospects. Uh, they had Philip Bistead, who uh, played for Team Sweden, and then goalie Benjamin Gaudreau, who ended up kind of being the backup for Team uh, Canada. So we'll start with Gaudreau. Uh, Gaudreau, kind of a tough first game he played against Team Czechia in the first game and got pulled that game. But I think looking back at it now, Team Czechia was way better than we expected as they played for, you know, they was a rematch with Canada for the gold um, played in another game. I think it was in his uh, Austria and had a shutout there. So maybe not the tournament he had hoped, especially going into this where the starting goalie was kind of up for grabs and you would hope that he would kind of grab, grab the reins on that and, and run away with it. But he, you know, he played well in, in the Austria game and he won a gold medal. You can't take that away from the kids. So um, he, he was there for a team. Um, and then Phil uh, B said, who I think had a, a coming out party, for the Sharks. Um, first round pick, late first round pick um, that they got after trading down from Arizona at the draft. And a lot of people, myself included, was perplexed about this pick, but he's been really, you know, playing in the SHL. He's been kind of, you know, up there with, with among the rookie leaders and scoring for the SHL, but 
was named the uh, player of, of the team for Team Sweden, had uh, four goals and six assists during that time, playing on the line with Leo Carlson, who's projected to be a top four pick in this, in this upcoming draft. And you really got to see what happens when you play against kids your own age instead of playing against 30-year-old adult men that he was playing in, in the SHL. So, you know, I think his game is very subtle, um, but I think what he does is he adds some diversity to the Sharks' prospect pool. Um, you know, you have guys like Eklund and Bordolo and Robbins who are more kind of creative and snipe. I want to say creative, but kind of more perimeter players. And B said's a let me get to the front. I'm just going to be six foot four and bigger than you and uh, score goals that way. And I think it's going to add some some diversity to the Sharks um, scoring as soon as he can kind of start to fill out that frame of his. We're getting closer to the trade deadline now, and obviously the Sharks are projected to be sellers. Who are some of the players who may be available that fans around the league should look at and, and what might it cost to get them? Um, of course, you know, the the everyone talks about Eric Carlson. Um, I just don't see it. What team is going to take on $11.5 million for the next four years? If Eric Carlson maybe had two years left on his deal, I think it'd be more feasible, but... Eric Carlson has been playing amazing this year, but that doesn't wash away the last three years of what we've seen from Eric Carlson, where he's been often injured and hasn't put up the production that you're paying, paying for $11.5 million. So, and plus he has a no movement clause. So even if somebody wanted him and he doesn't want to go there, it does. Yeah. So I, I think there's just too many hurdles for Eric Carlson. Um, of course, I think the, the big one is Timo Meyer, who is on pace right now for a 50 goal season, which would be the first 50 goal seasons for the Sharks since Jonathan Chichu way back in the day. Um, He's on the last year of his deal. He is an RFA, so the Sharks can kind of wait this out, and they do have control of his contract next year, but it is a $10 million qualifying offer, so it is a hefty, hefty price tag. Um, but if Timo Meyer does not want to be a Shark anymore, um, the Sharks could get a bounty for Timo Meyer because so, he, he is a legitimate top-line player on any team. Um, he leads, I think he's second in the, in the, the NHL in shots taken. Um, he's got, like I said, he's on one pace for 50 uh, goals this year. And, you know, a team like the Islanders, if you're looking <laughs> to, uh, you know, as, as, you know, put somebody next to Matt Barzell and let him go run, um, you know, we'll see with Timo Meyer, but it's going to be up. It's going to be up to Timo Meyer if he wants to be a San Jose Shark or if he wants to, you know, kind of look elsewhere. We saw last year the the same thing with Tomas Hurdle, and they got a deal done right before the the trade deadline. So, uh, but with Timo Meyer, you do own his rights. So we'll see what what they want to do with him. What do you think they're going to ask in exchange? Um, I mean, you're asking for first round pick um, and probably an NHL ready prospect i think is the starting point there uh especially again because tomorrow he's only 26 he's just entering his prime so if someone if you do sign into a seven or eight year deal you're getting four or five good years out of that before you know he maybe starts to decline a little bit but i think the way timo meyer plays his game as a power forward who gets to the net and uh shoots a lot i i think his game is going to age really really well to be honest all right, we'll be keeping an eye on that as we get closer to the trade deadline. May have you back to discuss some of that later on. JD, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find the podcast and where they can find you on social media? Um, you can, of course, find me on Twitter at my fryhole. Um, you can find the show on Locked On uh, Sharks on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and wherever you get podcasts. And tomorrow, Phil Beeset actually joins the show uh, to talk about his World Junior experience. So make sure you guys check that out. Should be excellent. JD, thanks. Always a pleasure to have you. Thanks, Gil.
Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football, college bowl season, pro and college basketball, soccer, and of course the NHL. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. And hey, maybe you want to take your knowledge of the NHL and check out the great odds and betting opportunities at BetOnline.net. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On LA Kings, Eddie Garcia. And Eddie, uh, you know, the Kings surprised a lot of people last year, maybe making the playoffs a year earlier than most people anticipated. This year, they are in second place playing fairly consistent hockey, uh, you know, a little, little game on, game off sometimes. But what has this team done this year that has helped them solidify second place and be contending for first place in the Pacific? Well, it has definitely um, been a process. Uh, for the Kings. Uh, early on, they were playing some wild games. Uh, they had a 9-8 overtime loss to Seattle. They had a 7-6 win against Minnesota on the road. Uh, there were just, it, it, we didn't recognize this team as Kings fans. It was great to see them be so offensive because they've lacked a lot of scoring punch over the last few years, but they relied on defense and there was no defense being played. So, uh, it was interesting. Head coach Todd McClellan said early on some things that I didn't really understand. He said things something like, well, these guys have to figure out how they want to play. And if this is how they want to play, then I'm not sure it's going to be successful. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You're the coach. Shouldn't you be telling them how to play? Right. I mean, I, I get ultimately the players have to do it. You can only tell them to do it. They have to do it. But it took a while for them, I guess, to figure it out. Um, there were a lot of ups, ups and downs very inconsistent they would beat teams like toronto and tampa bay and then lose to teams like chicago and columbus uh there were some nice wins there were some unexplained losses there were times when they would play i mean i remember a game in pittsburgh earlier this year they dominated the penguins and they were down three nothing right. at the end of the first period and you're like what's going on because a key breakdown would lead to a, a breakaway or a two on one and they would score and but they had dominated most of the game until then but they had to figure out how to eliminate mistakes in key moments not give up really good scoring chances uh and lately they've done a great job with that um they just played three straight division leaders they won two of the three the one loss was to boston no shame there and they actually played two really good periods against the bruins so uh, things have really, really solidified of late. They're playing much better defense. The penalty kill, which was called out in a players-only meeting, I guess not a players-only meeting, a management and players meeting by GM Rob Blake. He even said to the media, he told them, the penalty kill has to improve. It has of late. And they've gotten some decent goaltending from a very unexpected source. Yeah, talk to me about that because Jonathan Quick has pretty much struggled all season. He has, and Cal Peterson, who they signed to a three-year deal that kicked in this year, who they thought was going to be the heir apparent to Jonathan Quick, is playing in the AHL after being put on waivers. So the go I knew the goaltending going into the season was a huge question mark. 
didn't know if Cal was going to emerge and take the job away from Jonathan Quick or if Quick in the final year of his contract, a 10-year deal, was going to play the way he played last year, which was a little bit better than everybody thought. And the answer has been none of the above. Phoenix Copley, a total yeah. journeyman, signed in the offseason with no fanfare whatsoever, just to be a guy who was going to be a veteran in the AHL in case of emergency break glass. Well, they broke glass, and he's come up, and he's been amazing. Now, he the, the thing is, he's not playing out of this world. He's just been what they've needed, solid. Jonathan Quick has not been solid, and obviously Cal Peterson has not been solid. They've been poor, uh, below average at best. So he's just come in and has stopped the puck season to stop, and with the improved offense, that's been enough. His record is 10-2. and two. Uh, which is, you know, ultimately the best thing. His goals against is okay, and his save percentage is okay. Um, but, but it is the one thing that makes you think that maybe this is sustainable. Because, like I said, it's not like if he were playing out of his mind, and you knew this couldn't last, that might be one thing. But he's not. He's just playing good, solid hockey, giving the Kings a chance to win every game. And lately, they've been winning more than they've they've lost. Yeah, obviously, come closer to playoff time, do you go with a? a- a journeyman like Copley, or do you go back to quick? But obviously we're getting ahead of ourselves there. Uh, Talk to me about the addition of Kevin Fiala, what he's meant to this team, leading the team with 42 points right now. Yeah, he just came off a hat trick game against Vegas. Uh, He's right now, he's leading the Kings in goals, assists, and points. So I'd say the offseason acquisition has worked out so far. Um, You know, I knew that he was a very talented player, but getting to see him on a night-in, night-out basis, uh, his puck handling ability is really off the charts. Um, Every once in a while, he'll get himself into trouble because he's got so much confidence in his ability. Uh, He may hold onto the puck a little bit longer than he should. He might try and make a pass that maybe wasn't really there. But more often than not, um, he will do something with the puck where he'll he'll pull and drag and wait an extra second to get a better angle on a shot or he'll his vision on the ice to see a player who's on the back door to find him and put it on his tape uh really his passing ability is a lot better than i thought it was uh and and one thing i'll give him credit for he's been if you want to call it demoted a couple of times to the third line but he's not let it affect his play at all. It's almost like he likes playing on the third line better than he does the top line with Andre Kopitar and Adrian Kempe. Maybe it's because he now knows that he's the uh, the top dog on that line and uh, he can kind of be a little bit more assertive and aggressive and not defer. Um, but he's been, he's been as advertised. The points are definitely there. Uh, the goal scoring is about where we thought it would be. But um, if you're talking about how did the offseason, the big offseason acquisition work for the Kings, a-plus right now. Talk to me a little bit about Arthur Kaliev. I know he's injured right now, but seven power play goals to lead the team. Uh, how far away is he from coming back, and what has he meant to the power play? Uh, he's on injured reserve, but he that was retroactive, and he's eligible to come off at any point. So it should be at any time. Um, the team's playing well at the moment, so I'm not, you know how it is in hockey. We don't know exactly what the injury is, so they can take as much time as they want with it because the team's playing well. They're not missing him at the moment, um, but he has been a very key uh, part of their improved power play. Unfortunately, his five-on-five scoring isn't there. I mean, he's almost like a power play specialist, but he has an exceptional NHL shot. It's it's that thing where you've seen with a few, you know, most notably probably with Alexander Ovechkin and Steven Stamkos. You put him on that face-off dot, 
and just set him up and let him fire it away. And that's where he's getting his goals. And more often than not, he's putting into the back of the net. So uh, a, a terrific addition um, as far as the power play goals. Now they just need to get him going, though, five on five. And then he could be, you know, I mean, like a, a borderline all-star player, perhaps. But right now he feels like more of just a power play specialist. But um, good again, a good young player with an exceptional NHL shot. And it's re- it really shows on the power play. Trade deadline is now a little less than two months away. Uh, what do you expect the Kings to do at the deadline? Well, well, I guess it's one of the worst rumors in all of sports that the Kings would love to get Jacob Chikrin from Arizona. Of course, they're not the only one standing in line for that. Uh, there are plenty of players who would love to get him, but specifically the Kings, they have so many good right-handed defensemen that they need somebody desperately on the left side They have a lot of young, attractive pieces. The problem is, from what I hear, Arizona is asking for the moon. And why shouldn't they? They know they're in a position of strength, and there are plenty of suitors, and it's just who's going to give us what we want. Um, Right now, the asking price, in my opinion, is too high. If it is what we hear it is, Quentin Byfield and Brant Clark, two very high former first-round picks, uh, I don't see the Kings doing that as attractive as Jacob Chikrin is. And he's very attractive and he does fill the biggest need right now for the Kings other than goaltending. But the Kings, I I don't see them making a move to improve goaltending. I think they're going to, I don't know that they can do that. Maybe if, if we're going to look for something else, maybe it's a net. Um, but I think right now they're going to stay with what they've got and see how it plays out as far as the goaltending goes. But there's no doubt the Kings have interest in Jacob Chikrin. It's just would Arizona kind of come off their asking price. The Kings do have a lot of good young assets to be willing to part with. Maybe even a couple of younger NHL level players, maybe. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. That's definitely, I, I think the Kings will bring in a left-handed defenseman for some depth. I don't think it's going to be Jacob Chikrin because I don't think they're going to pay that price. But whoever is second or third on that list, uh, I think Gabrikov maybe from uh, the Blue Jackets is a name that has been mentioned. Um, so I would see them making a move to shore up the defense, specifically a left-handed shot defenseman. Um, but I, like I said, I don't see them making a big, big move for a guy like Jacob Chikrin. Eddie, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Well, it's uh, obviously locked on LA Kings. Don't, don't just do locked on Kings because you might get a Sacramento basketball team, but it's uh, locked on LA Kings. Uh, you can uh, find me uh, on uh, Twitter at uh, Eddie on Fox. Uh, also, of course, the show account is at locked on Kings. Um, and yeah, wherever you, wherever you get your podcast and of course on YouTube as well. All right, Eddie, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. I, I'm glad I could finally connect with you, Gil. Thank you. Thanks again for making Locked On NHL your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On NHL Prospects, your daily podcast covering the next generation of hockey superstars leading up to the NHL draft. Locked On NHL Prospects, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. want to thank my guests, Laura Saba of Locked On Canadiens, J.D. Young of Locked On Sharks, and Eddie Garcia of Locked On L.A. Kings for their insight and analysis on those teams. I'm Gil Martin. I'm here every Monday. I also co-host the Friday show with Rachel Donner. And don't forget, Lockdown NHL is here every Monday through Friday to bring you the biggest stories from around the National Hockey League. Have a great day, everyone, and thanks for listening to the Lockdown NHL podcast.